Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am your host, Chad Michael Belton, and you've just clicked on another episode of Hindsight is 2200. Thank you guys so, so much for all the love and support. I say it every time, and I truly do mean it. Your love and support really means a lot. It continues to help the podcast grow and get bigger and better, and definitely with your support, we continue to get bigger and better. So thank you so much. It's truly amazing. Anyways, if you missed the last episode, I sat down with uh, visually impaired musician, songwriter, and performer, Precious Perez. We just talked about pretty much everything, but most importantly, we talked about representation and diversity within the music industry, um, the work she's doing with Ramped, um, and how she's trying to better represent disabled musicians, as well as, of course, visually impaired, because that is the focus uh, for the most time here on the podcast. You know, we do talk about the disability in a wide spectrum, but um, we were talking more so about visually impaired recording artists, but it was a great episode. Hopefully you guys will take a time to check it out and listen to it. Anyways, let's get on to today's episode. So um, this is kind of an interesting episode. I honestly didn't think I would ever talk about math again when I declared myself a history major. Um, you kind of become a history major so you don't have to do mathematics because I didn't like mathematics. <laughs> um, but, you know, something that I didn't think about is how does someone with a visual impairment use something like a calculator? You know, a calculator is pretty important when you're doing mathematics, especially if you need a graphing calculator for, say, something like statistics and whatnot. So I found an amazing person in a company that is developing accessible mathematic technology. So... If you guys would please welcome my guest, the great and powerful Stephen Clower, who works for Desmos as a software developer and leads their accessibility. So please, everybody, welcome the great and powerful Stephen uh, Clower. Hello, everyone, and uh, thanks, Chad, for having me on today. Hey, no, thank you so much for um, sitting down with me. It means a lot. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, how exactly um, did you get involved with Desmos? But, you know, let's start with um, your background, if you don't mind, just a little bit. Sure. So I am uh, legally blind. Mm -hmm. uh, this point in my life, not really any usable vision left. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have a lot growing up, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it was definitely better as a child. Um, I am currently in uh, Indiana. And I'm a software developer by trade. Uh, those of you who are listening who have maybe been in the blindness industry for a long time probably recognize my name somewhere. Uh, I've, I've been around. Um, <laughs> if anyone remembers Steve's Talking Clock um, from a long time ago, that was uh, my kind of first little creation into blindness software technology back in the early 2000s. Um, I worked at... Um, GW Micro, uh, which mm -hmm. made the window eyes screen reader, uh, G the GW Connect, uh, Skype application, GW mm -hmm. Socialize, um, the HIMS products, all that kind of stuff. Uh, for, I don't know, about six years. Mm -hmm. um, then I came across Desmos, and uh, that's kind of where I've been since then. So um, I'm your, I don't want to say stereotypical uh, nerd but stereotypical nerd. <laughs> uh, um, what exactly is your um, visual impairment, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, yeah, not at all. My impairment is Leber's congenital amaurosis. Ah, um, yes. It's LCA for short, mm -hmm. because that's a lot easier to write mm -hmm. <laughs> and to say. Yeah. Very, very familiar with that. Um, you know, I've told the story before when I was very young 
and first be, you know, evaluated for my vision, um, the consensus was that I had LCA, um, but then turn out, you know, it's actually retinitis pigmentosa, but yeah, um, very familiar with LCA um, and, um, you know, everything it has to do. So yes, 100% understand that. Um, did you ever have any usable vision at all or just, just you know, for the most part, not, not very much? Uh, usable by whose definition? <laughs> Your definition. <laughs> by my definition, yes. Um, yes. There, there, there was a point in time where I could uh, identify people by sight. Mm -hmm. um, used to be able to watch TV. Mm -hmm. um, could read large print, usually using a uh, magnifier like the Visual Tech. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember the Visual Tech. Uh, you know, so, and if I was in say familiar environments, I didn't necessarily need a cane. Right. My O&M instructors hated that um, <laughs> and they, they tried to train that out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I did have some usable vision. Mm -hmm. It was never good enough to say, read a standard print book mm -hmm. by itself or certainly drive a car. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. As much as visual, you know, usable vision I had, you know, I've, I've never been able to drive, you know, never. Yeah. So I'm very curious in terms of your background with software development. When did you start getting into um, that type of work? Was that what you went to school to do? Uh, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, as a as a kid, I was I was the kid that was always, you know, reading the, the Braille and speak manual just to see mm -hmm. if there was something that it could do that I didn't know about. Um, so, you know, I grew up on the uh, the Apple II. Um, the uh, the blazy line of, of products you know the the brown speak braille light um, mm -hmm. those those devices so I started messing around mm -hmm. I guess with programming in general since I was uh, I don't know about 11 11 or 12 mm -hmm. years old um, started writing basic programs on the braille and speak um, then I graduated to doing stuff in C on an old uh, DOS machine that uh, my sister used in college that she didn't need anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, went from there to uh, Windows in various languages, Visual Basic, C++, um, a little bit of Pascal, not a whole lot of that. Um, <laughs> less said about that, the better. Um, and, you know, just other other languages and technologies as, as they developed. Um, you know, these, these days it's mm. mostly web tech um, mm. that I deal with, um, not as much on the, on the desktop side. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm always very impressed with, um, people that get into the, the the wording and everything when it comes to software at a young age because I I wanted to go into like IT development but then I took a couple of classes in college and I was just like you know I, I know I'm kind of smart but I'm not this smart I just <laughs> I can't hang as they say uh because uh, you know that, that stuff's very very technical and um you know the more you get into it the you know the harder it can get yeah and i i do honestly believe that there's tremendous value in what is taught in college mm -hmm. for development especially if you're going to get into you know programming your own hardware devices mm -hmm. but part of me also thinks that some of that is just made you know as hard as it can possibly be to weed people out yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Because software development doesn't have to, I mean, it, it's not easy, um, mm. but it's also not rocket science. Well, I guess it could be rocket science, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. Right. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I, I don't blame you. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, when I was in college, I was going in uh, for a computer science degree. Mm-hmm. And for various reasons, uh, one of them, which was inaccessible math coursework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up switching to kind of the, the business equivalent, uh, which back then was called business computer information systems. Mm-hmm. So programming, but with more of a business focus, not as much, you know, writing your own operating system kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so you mentioned at the start of the show that you invented, was it a, like a speaking clock? Um, I wouldn't say in, invented because invented is <laughs> right, you know, right. coming, coming up with something. Right, that no of course. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so back in college, um, I needed money, didn't have mm-hmm. money. I mean, I wasn't like hurting, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're, you're a college kid. You want some extra cash well, to, yeah, to yeah. do stuff with. Anyway, um, I had a summer of not much to do. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a, uh, a software uh, talking clock for Windows. And ah. the, the purpose of that program was and uh i guess to some extent still is because you can still get it mm-hmm. um was to kind of model what it said on actual hardware devices mm-hmm. um so actually right here i have an old sharp el640 talking mm-hmm. calculator from 1982 mm-hmm. and it says something like this And what I wanted was, all right, some of these hardware things are still out here. Mm -hmm. How can we emulate that for Mm -hmm. when they aren't around anymore? Right. And so that's kind of what the whole thing focused on. So it, if you ever look at the documentation, it talks about, you know, all kinds of different ways that you can cut up numbers Mm -hmm. that it'll recognize and then put back together in the same methods that were used in these hardware devices. So you could get like a sharp talking time one or this EL640 or, you know, I want to say there's like 60, 70 something voices that I and others uh, put together over the years. Mm. So that was kind of the whole premise of that uh, particular program. Yeah. So like, was this able to like introduce this type of stuff into devices that didn't have it prior to that? Or was this something that was already pre-existing within technology? So this, I mean, it's a, it's a software application. Okay. So it, it runs on, on windows devices. Gotcha. So it, it's not necessarily something new, mm-hmm. but the approach that I took, I think was, was new at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I know, no other program went into that level of, you know, crazy detail trying gotcha. to emulate old hardware. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. So um, you did this while you were still, in college, um, were you working in the industry at all while you were in college or just focusing on your schooling? Um, I did some freelance work, a little mm-hmm. bit of internship work during college, but yeah, mm-hmm. for the most part, um, I was, I was focused on, on schooling. And then mm-hmm. of course I graduated at the time, uh, the, the 28 recession hit mm-hmm. or rather I graduated, I think it was maybe two months before. So I just started a job and got laid off. So we were back to uh, freelancing and, and such for about another two years. Uh, how things have not changed. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. the, the more things change, the more they repeat themselves. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yep. Yep, yep, Yeah. So um, when you were 
getting close to finishing your degree, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do since you, of course, were already doing a lot of work and with like software and development type of stuff? I did. Mm -hmm. um, what that has been, you know, it's it's kind of changed a bit over mm -hmm. the years. But yeah, mostly I've, I had a pretty solid idea of what mm -hmm. I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. The trick was being able to get my foot in the door mm -hmm. and, you know, having an opportunity to do it. Right. Um, that actually proved to be a lot more of a challenge. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? Um, you know, any sort of discrimination or struggles you've had to overcome, you know, it's shared, you know, what, whatever disability you might have that, you know, every now and then we have to face a little bit of a, a hardship that we have to either overcome or just, you know, see as just kind of like a waste of time so move elsewhere and find a, a greener pastures but um yeah definitely if you can speak to that that'd be great sure um so you know i, I won't lie and say discrimination wasn't part of it um, mm -hmm. because i i do believe that uh that there was mm -hmm. a lot of the issues that i had were either that the actual process to even you know submit a, a job application mm -hmm. had just a lot of accessibility hurdles. Yeah. Uh, employers, when they found out that I had a disability, just didn't want to talk to me because they figured I was a liability. Yeah. Um, that actually didn't happen as much as, mm -hmm. as one might, might think, but it did happen. Um, yeah. And back then, uh, this whole concept of remote work, you know, everyone <laughs> was just dead set against it. Even yeah. if it would make, you know, like if I wanted to commute to, somewhere or if I had to commute and I didn't mm -hmm. want to commute um you know just the fact that I had to do that and there was no accessible way to get from point A to B mm -hmm. I mean well that's it I can't I can't take the job yeah uh and that was a big problem where I uh lived at the time mm -hmm. and you know with you know uh more recent uh worldwide circumstances mm -hmm. uh remote work is you know a bit more normalized yeah which is good yeah um, mm -hmm. But that was tough. And I guess the, the other frustrating part, and this is still true uh, in a lot of places, is just the, the tooling that people use in, you know, a, a lot of jobs, especially software development, have just a lot of accessibility problems on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and how much of your job are you going to be spending trying to fix tools that people wrote sloppily or you know, and, and, and how much leeway is your employer going to give you? Mm -hmm. um, to try and, and catch up and, and be efficient. I mean, they're not hiring you to sit around and make software that they bought accessible. They're paying mm. you to do a job. And if you mm. can't do that job, then you're not going to stick around for very long. Mm -hmm. Luckily for me, I didn't have that problem very often. Uh, the people I've worked for have always been pretty um, understanding and patient um, <laughs> whenever things like that came up. Um, but that does happen. Mm. Yeah, it's... It is difficult, uh, especially navigating employment. Some some people are within the mindset that you don't even say anything about your disability. You know, it's kind of like surprise, <laughs> you know, because some people, and it, it is, you know, and true in some ways that, um, you know, the second you miss, mention your disability, you kind of get stuck outside of the employment or the recruitment process. So I've heard many people say I didn't mention my disability until basically I got the job and then basically told them. So at that point, it's kind of like, well, you know, you have me now and you know I have a disability. Um, and then, of course, 
transportation is, is so key. Um, I mean, there's so many jobs that I would look at when I was younger and still in college and whatnot and be like, oh, well, uh, I, I could use some more money. But then when you're like, oh, yeah, transportation, you have to have a, like a, a driving license to do the job. I'm like, well, can't do that job. <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going back to your, your point of, um, excuse me, uh, going back to your point of whether to disclose, I've, I've been on both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do exactly that. I just, I wouldn't say anything until mm-hmm. I got a call right. from, from someone. And at that point I, I did, and maybe that's still recommended. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but at, as I've gotten older and my time has become more important to me, mm-hmm. you know, I just flat up, I, you know, if I'm in that situation again, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll just flat up say, yep, I have yeah. a disability. Mm-hmm. You can either talk to me or not. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and most, <laughs> a lot of places probably didn't, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, but you know, where, where I am now, that actually proved to be a huge asset. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across Desmos and uh, we can talk about that more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the reasons they did hire me is because I have a disability and yeah. I know how things are supposed to work right. and how to fix them when they don't. Mm-hmm. So it's not always a bad idea yeah, um, yeah. to uh, disclose. I mean, if it can be to your advantage, mm-hmm. it, as someone with a disability, you need to take whatever mm-hmm. advantage you can. Because yeah. It's a sighted world out there. Yeah. It's not going to slow down for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I always tell people, you know, the unfortunate reality is that um, the world was not designed for people with disabilities. You know, it's just from the beginning of the dawn of man, you know, you know disability was kind of like, uh, oh, well, we should have planned better for that, but we didn't. So let's just keep moving forward. Yep. And maybe one day things will catch up and get better. But yeah, like you said, if if you can take advantage of it, then please do, because if you have someone that's willing to work with you, and accommodate your disability and then you've got a good thing going and you should definitely you know jump into that 100 both feet um but then again you know this like you know like you said there's there was plenty of times when i would you know inquire about a job and then you know i talk to them they see me and of course the thing with an invisible disability is you know they don't know like oh that you're blind or you're visually impaired and then, of course, you get in there, they try, oh, yeah. And then the second you mentioned, well, I'm legally blind. They're like, ah, oh, all right. So you don't have enough experience. <laughs> it's like, right. And then you talk to your friends like, oh, well, I didn't have that experience either. I don't know why you wouldn't have gotten hired if I didn't have it. And it's just like, because I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, I, I say we collectively, and maybe I shouldn't, but I, I think we tend to ascribe maybe more discrimination than was intended mm-hmm. uh, when, when things like that happen. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually yeah. if I if I'm qualified and someone who's less qualified than me gets a job, yeah, um, that I also applied for, then yeah, I'm, you know, reasonably certain that disability had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit uh, about Desmus. Prior to Desmus, um, do you mind sharing what you were doing at the time before um, Desmus came around? Uh, yeah, not at all. So, um, back in at Let's see. <laughs> yeah, 2010. Yeah, 2010. Uh-huh. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it, has, it, it really has. Uh, so I was working at the time at uh, GW Micro. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they created the Windowize screen reader program as well as uh, some other things. If anyone remembers GW Connect, I'm the guy that wrote that. Mm -hmm. uh, a colleague of mine wrote GW Socialize. Uh, we also did a lot of work with um, the the Hims line of uh, Braille products, like the the Braille Sense, the Book Sense. Mm. Um, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I was working mainly as a developer and uh, product support specialist mm -hmm. um, at, at GW Micro. At the time, uh, we were doing a lot of work um, integrating Windowize with uh, ZoomText mm -hmm. for the first version of uh, ZoomText Fusion. Ah, uh, good old ZoomText Fusion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so before uh, before Desmos, that's pretty much what I was doing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, for those that are um, wondering what's ZoomText Fusion, so basically it kind of combines um, ZoomText with JAWS. Um, so basically it combines a magnifier with a screen reader. Um, so basically not only can you zoom in on your screen, but then you can also, of course, still get the, the voiceover from the screen reader. Um, for those, um, so so like you know, I, um, we previously had um, Ryan Jones of TPGI, um, and he formerly worked for Freedom Scientific, so he did a lot with Jaws. So uh, for those of you that have listened to that episode, then just kind of think of the screen readers and stuff that we talked about in there. Um, that's kind of what ZoomText does. Um, well, Fusion that is. I've used it on my work computer for many many years when I was with Southeastern Guide Talks. Yeah, and. Again, at, at the time, uh, so when I when I joined uh, Desmos, um, GW Micro had very recently been acquired um, or merged rather with AI Squared, uh, mm -hmm. who made ZoomText. They mm -hmm. had a good magnifier. Mm -hmm. We had a good screen reader. Mm -hmm. We needed each other's expertise, and mm -hmm. so you know, ZoomText Fusion was kind of the the natural product um, for for us to create. And of mm -hmm. course. Um, a couple years after that, uh, Freedom Scientific acquired AI Squared, mm -hmm. uh, and they pretty quickly killed off uh, Windowize. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> they uh, have since replaced the screen reader component with JAWS. Mm -hmm. So if yeah. anyone's curious what, what the difference is, that's <laughs> yeah. uh, that's yeah. pretty much what happened. Yeah, I, I still use um, ZoomText Fusion. So I, I still use the, the magnifier and the, and the screen reader. But um, yeah, I still use ZoomText in my daily life. I mean, I, I'm using it, I was using it, you know, to get everything set up for our, our meeting today. So this podcast was brought to you by the use of ZooTex. That's not an ad read or me plugging them. It's just, I use it. So, you know, it, you know, it's, it's kind of true. <laughs> hey, it, uh, it, it allows you to, to get your job done. And that's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's mm -hmm. what was so rewarding about working in that industry mm -hmm. was, you know, you're you're creating sort of a a, a catch-all product that is really designed to let people do whatever they need to do, mm -hmm. whether that's to just you know send email, browse the internet, yeah. read a newspaper, watch TV, do their job, you know, wh whatever it is. Knowing that something that you contributed to has helped someone else in in that way was mm -hmm. was uh, extremely rewarding. Yeah. I mean, like the example that I can give right now is I use it to help me with um, the podcast. So when I go in to edit and upload, um, it helps me to see what I'm clicking on so that I know I'm going into the right documents, into the right folders, clicking to do the right upload, do the editing. So it 
it's a hundred percent usable for me and mandatory. Like I, I want to be able to do the podcast without it. So it's, it's such an amazing technology. And like you said, it's just amazing what it can allow people to do, which they otherwise probably would have no ability to do without it. Absolutely. And even more so with, uh, you know, uh, screen reading technology, mm-hmm. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's no way, absolutely yeah. no way yeah. I, I would be productive <laughs> yeah. if, if this didn't exist. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's just the crazy to think you know, just how crucial it is. And, uh, you know, to those people that get annoyed by the, the voice and like, how do you stand this? I'm just like, we have to understand it's essential for me. So that voice, you know, it, it's my best friend. <laughs> yep. Yep. No matter how sometimes I even want to stop talking. <laughs> 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 so um when did you get acquired by Desmos? Did they find you or did they or did you find them? How how did that come about? Sure. Uh do you got time for a story? Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um so back back in high school, mm-hmm. uh senior year of high school, mm-hmm. I was taking an AP statistics course. Okay. Um, uh, AP stand for uh, advanced placement for yep. those, those may not, uh, may not be in the know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and this particular course was extremely reliant on a, I forget if it was a TI 83 or TI 84. Anyway, I mean, it was, a, it, had, yeah, it was either one of the two, cause it might've been 83 depending on the time, but definitely 84 if nothing else. Yeah. This would have been uh 2002. Uh, probably so, 83 probably 83 yeah, yeah I, I couldn't remember if it was 83 mm-hmm. or 84 yeah anyway we were taking this course which this, this statistics was actually the first math course that i actually enjoyed um huh. so um and and maybe this is partially why i went that extra mile to mm-hmm. be able to succeed there um but the the class was taught using the uh you know the ti-83 the mm-hmm. texas instruments device Mm -hmm. and sometimes the textbook would explain you know this is why you know this this concept exists and this is how you do it manually but more Mm -hmm. times than not it included you press this button then you press this button and then this is what the output means Mm -hmm. well that's great Mm -hmm. if you can use the calculator (laughs) of course could not at the time the only thing that i had at my disposal was a Braillite 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, that device, as limited as it was compared to you know everything else that other students were using, uh-huh. it did have um, a, uh, a basic programming language. Uh-huh. And so what I wound up doing was spending a lot of extra time trying to write programs that would approximate a lot of the features that my classmates got mm. with their TI-83s for nothing. So whether it was looking up something in a, a T table mm-hmm. or, um, you know, computing the normal distribution uh, parameters for, for something, mm-hmm. or uh, this is still my, <laughs> my crowning achievement, I think, uh, writing a program that would read in values from one file and write everything else out uh, doing a regression analysis on that data. That was hard. <laughs> it worked. It, it was hard, but you know, 
with those tools at hand, I was mm-hmm. able to mostly keep up with, with mm. my classmates. And, you know, the, the uh, teacher that I had was very uh, understanding and, and patient. And, and he helped me. Mm-hmm. He helped me do step by step to make sure that I was doing things right. And man, when I saw those right answers coming out, man, that was, that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so then comes the time to take the uh, end of year exam. Right. Um, and for, for those who may not have t- uh, taken an AP class uh, before, you basically take a an official test mm-hmm. from an organization. I, I will mention their name. Um, but that's separate from, you know, whatever assessment your teacher might create at the right. end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's either you take one or the other. Yeah. Usually so, sometimes you, 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 for the most part, when I was in it, you would always have a midterm exam that would count in the actual class, but then you would really not have a final exam. You would just have that AP um, test. And then of course, if you were able to pass it, then it would count towards your college credits. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's exactly how it, how it was. Mm-hmm. So it got to be around, I don't know, January, February. Uh, the test I believe was scheduled in May. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to get um, accommodations set up mm-hmm. and the organization basically came back very quickly and said, Nope, you cannot use these programs you made Oh my God. on, on, on the test. And you know, I see where they were coming from on right. that because who knows what I may have told the programs to do. Right. Right. Um, but we came back with, okay, then what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And they said, learn how to use the TI 83. <laughs> like, okay. It's like, all right, so I'm graduating high school. I'm trying to apply for colleges. I've got Mm -hmm. all these things going on in my life. And you want me to waste time learning a tool that I can't actually use? Mm -hmm. They said, well, it's either that or you don't take the test. That wasn't going to fly. And it didn't. Um, So we did a lot of back and forth. Um, Eventually, I was allowed to use the programs that I uh, had written, you know, with the caveat mm. that someone needs to look at the source code. I think right. I actually had to turn in the source code, mm. um, you know, so they could verify. Yeah. I don't think anyone ever looked at it. Um, you know, so I, I, I took the test and even then, you know, there were still a lot of functions that I just couldn't do. So mm. I, you know, if, if there were such problems, I said, I don't have the tools to complete this problem, but here's how I would do it. And what mm. the output would mean. Mm. I did get a four out of five nice, on, nice. The, on the test. So I did pass, but man, that whole experience left a really sour taste mm. in my mouth for uh, understandably for, for education technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in college, uh, things got worse yeah. because uh, all right, maybe you weren't using TI-83s anymore, but mm-hmm. now you're using these inaccessible flash based programs that, mm-hmm. you know, you could only mouse around with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with, spending a lot of times either trying to script or write set files for screen readers. It, it, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. So that was frustrating even more. Um, so fast forward to uh, the end of uh, 2015, my mom was actually a, a math teacher and she met uh, a man by the name of uh, Dan Meyer. Those in the, the math industry probably will recognize that. Oh uh, yeah. I, I recognize that name, but I don't even know the math industry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. She, she met him at a conference. Uh, I forget which one it might've been NCTM. And uh, she knew I was getting uh, a, a bit frustrated with uh, my current work situation. And I was looking mm-hmm. for something else to do, or at least to get some, uh, some more income. 
So she said, Hey, look at, look at Desmos. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, fine. Uh, so I did. And the first thing I saw when I uh, looked at them was that they were HTML5 based. They were not flash based. And that made me so excited mm-hmm. because that meant, all right, maybe I can use this thing. Mm-hmm. So I load up their graphing calculator. I couldn't use it at all. Mm-hmm. It was very discouraging. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was HTML5, um, that essentially means it, it's more open to, to web standards and mm-hmm. can be used on, on, on more devices mm-hmm. um, at, at kind of a high level. So, you know, I was like, all right, here we go. More inaccessible ed tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just what we all need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm just going to send them an email because mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said, hey, you have some real potential here to make this tool awesome uh, for people like me who can't see the screen. Mm-hmm. But it's not usable right now. Um, can I help you? Mm-hmm. And much to my surprise, someone answered. Um, so we talked a little bit and a couple months after that initial email, uh, they brought me on part-time to do some work, uh, to make the, uh, their core website and uh, graphing calculator accessible. Um, then a few months after that, um, <laughs> they started really expanding what they wanted to do, uh, platform wise mm-hmm. and brought me on full-time. That's awesome. That's, that's such a crazy and amazing story. It's, it's it's kind of, it just happens like that sometimes, Yep. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, sometimes, you know, life like that really does go like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, for a hundred percent, when you really think about it, you know, they give you the large textbooks, um, they give you the extended time, but then when you think about everything outside of like a like a magnifier and an OCR device. I mean, of course, again, when I was even in school, I have OCR stuff, but uh, yeah, when you really think about mathematics, um, it doesn't seem so much in your face, but when you really think about it, that calculator is not accessible to anyone who's losing their vision or has lost their vision. No. And I I will say, you know, to, to the credit of our, I, I guess, sort of competition um, mm-hmm. that's out there. The tools have improved mm-hmm. some. Um, mm-hmm. I think the the most high level talking calculator that I could get at the time was the, I think it was the, T, the TI Orion 80 or 34 rather, mm-hmm. um, which actually I, th- I think was pretty much a piece of junk, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a scientific calculator mm-hmm. and it did technically talk, but it could not do anything that I needed it to do mm-hmm. at the time. It certainly couldn't graph. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now TI and uh, Orbit Research do have, you know, their graphing calculator. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's still being manufactured. I know APH stopped uh, mm-hmm. stopped selling it, but you know, so there there are hardware options mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but there weren't back then. Yeah. And and you know, of course, you think about it, it's, you know, we're not just talking standard calculations like plus minus division, factor decimal. We're talking about statistics um too so when it comes to graphing especially with statistics you're gonna have to use a graphing calculator because there are a lot of graphs and tables that only the ti calculators can do which of course that is going to require a display screen and then of course the computations and calculations for statistics are i don't even 
want to get into it because I did AP statistics when I was in high school. I got through it. Sure didn't pass the AP exam because um, <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> it was, it, it was. was very, it was. very hard. <laughs> yeah, well, and even, you know, a lot of, you know, common use case for a graphing calculator is to visualize a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got three equations. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to see where do these things intersect? Yep. What it means is up to you to interpret, but mm. you know, without graphing calculator, just plug these things in. Here's a graph. Mm. Yeah. We didn't have any anything like that. Well, I guess I guess we technically did. Um, there was a program for the Braille and Speak uh, back in the mid '90s called Graphit, mm. um, which eh, it was okay. I mean, mm. for for what the guy had to work with at the time, mm. it was it was pretty um, revolutionary. But it, you know, that program didn't see any updates. It had mm. problems, and it certainly couldn't do anything um, like the uh, the, the TI-83. Mm. It's crazy to think though, like, so here you are about to take your AP exam. And again, we, we stress like for those who are going into a career where like statistics might actually be a part of their, you know, their, um, what is it? Their, their career plan for their, you know, their degree to be told like, Hey, we're going to make you take this test where, um, if you pass, you're going to get three, maybe four hours of credit already before you even start your college degree, but you can't use anything that's going to help you to be able to use that calculator, which by the way, you absolutely need to do the calculations for statistics. Yeah. There's, there, there's no way to get out of it. You need to know how to be able to do that in, in some form. Yeah. It's just crazy to be like, all right, well, um, you're not going to be able to use it. And now you have to learn how to use it. Oh, no, by the way, you can't because you can't see. Yeah. I and mean, the audacity. <laughs> well, the, the audacity aside, I mean, that's already a very stressful situation to, yeah. to be in. I mean, test taking is not something you just, uh, I think I'll take a test today. You know, <laughs> you, you, you prepare for this thing. You yeah. study, you work yep. really hard. Mm-hmm. And when you're last minute trying to find out if you're even going to be able to take it because mm-hmm. you know some big wig somewhere just is saying mm, no yeah um along with everything else that's going on i mean mm-hmm. that's that's a situation i mean this is part of why i was so passionate when i sent the you know that, that email mm-hmm. uh, to desmos at the time because i've been there i do mm-hmm. not want any more students to have to go through what i did yeah and if the worst scenario would have happened, you wouldn't have been able to take the test. And, you know, good thing you were because you were able to pass. But, you know, there's that scenario in the whole what if where you wouldn't have been able to take it and you would have passed. But then, of course, if, you know, again, what if you wouldn't pass, even though you could have passed because someone, like you said, at the big top was just like, well, no, you can't use that because we think it's going to be to your advantage in some weird way. Yeah. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and you know, that, that experience has, has stayed with me and really shaped everything I do, especially mm-hmm. now that I've you know kind of, I don't want to say totally left the, uh, the AT industry, but kind of sidestepped into the education side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I know exactly what these students are going through. Cause mm-hmm. I've, I've been there and, you know, I've gotten reports, here and there, you know, people are, are succeeding. In fact, we've got, uh, I just talked to, uh, someone who is taking their uh, AP calculus exam in, mm-hmm. I think about a week. 
and they get to use Desmos on it. Nice. And that makes me so excited because they're, you know, they're not being put to any significant disadvantage, hopefully no disadvantage mm-hmm. as, as their sighted students or sighted peers. They can use the same tools. Uh, you know, it'll, you know, maybe the way they access the output's a little different, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the screen reader or our audio graphing function, but the same tool is there and they don't have to stress about learning how to use this other thing that no one else in their class is using. They're, they learned on the same platform that their classmates were. And so they can learn the material. They don't have to worry mm-hmm. about the technology side of it. Yeah. That was, and you, and you brought up a what, great, great point. So they don't basically have to MacGyver it like you did. They have to use a Braille light or, you know, use like an OCR device just to take a picture of the, the screen. Or, you know, it's just like they don't have to go through all these hoops and hurdles just to use a device. They now have just the device that's the same as everyone else's. It just has the added benefit of being made for their disability. Well, and I, I don't want to say that this tool is made for any particular disability. Mm-hmm. One of the, I mean, our, our mission at Desmos is to make tools that allow people to learn math and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe love learning math. Mm-hmm. But part of that mission is to just make the same tools as accessible and usable as, mm-hmm. as possible. So mm-hmm. do we have features that benefit people with screen readers? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the only graphing calculator that I know of um, where you can pick up any sort of supported device. If you need Braille output, flip it into Braille mode. Wow. We have Nimbus and UEB. Uh, if you need an audio version of a graph, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've got that. Mm-hmm. Um, but sighted students have also been able to take advantage of that to yeah. help them conceptualize things. In fact, I've seen some very creative uses of um, our, uh, we call it audio tracing, but basically turning a, a, a graph into sound. Uh, mm-hmm. People have used that to, to make music. Uh-huh. We, did, we never intended it to do that, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> students, uh, you know, who may not necessarily need that feature still mm-hmm. found a creative way to use it. Gotcha. And that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's awesome. And it, and I love your story because especially as you're reaching out, you're, you know, you're told to, Hey, check out Desmos and you're like, okay. And then you do it and you're like, Oh, well, it's uh, surprise, surprise. It's not going to be able to be used by me. And then you have just the good fortune to put that email out and say, Hey, let's work together because you have something really great here and the possibilities are endless. And then you get that reply and then you start to create it. Um, do you think they had, would have come to this realization had, had it not been with you? I mean, do you think eventually they would have realized it or, you know, like, you know, it's, it's just interesting to kind of um, pose that question. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say, you know, I was, I was just expecting nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that I even got a response, one surprised me, but two, the, the sheer thoughtfulness of the mm-hmm. reply told me a lot about the people that, that were in charge, mm-hmm. that they had a genuine passion for what they were doing mm-hmm. and that they wanted to do right. Mm-hmm. In the case of accessibility, um, you know, there, there are standards out there that people can try to follow. And 
for uh, tools that, you know, if you're making just like a, a website mm-hmm. that doesn't change, mm. you know, there are hard to find rules for, you know, or I say rules, recommendations for how to make things designed well. Right. That if you just do it, it's going to work. You don't have to think much about it. With interactive math software, well, interactive software, but especially <laughs> math software, <clears throat> that's a lot trickier. Yeah. So, and a, a lot of places, I'm using a lot. Of, I'm using generalizations here. I apologize. <laughs> it's it's okay. My my experience is that for organizations that are aware of accessibility, they know it's something that they need to do, mm-hmm. and that it's required by law if they want to, you know, be in markets A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them just don't know how to do it or where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the case with. Desmos. They knew they needed to do something with accessibility, but they had no experience with it at all. Mm. Um, so do I think they would have come to this conclusion? Yes. Mm. I think they were already sort of there. They just mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. Right. Would they have been able to do as, as well if they hadn't had somebody on the team that actually needed those features or knew how to do it? Maybe, mm. but pro- honestly, probably not. <laughs> Or at least not as quickly. Mm, understood. Um, this is one of those cases where you can you can really tell a difference between a, a company that did some retrofitting, you know, that some third party contractor did for a month and then left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's technically accessible, but is it usable? Is it great? Right. Probably not. Uh, but you can tell the difference between that and a company that commits to devoting resources to constantly improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and takes the feedback from end users to incorporate, you know, either bug fixes, new features, whatever, into that software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you think about the fact that not only did they commit to it, they have continued to commit to it, and they, they basically have made it a part of the business model and what they offer as a company. So it's definitely amazing to see it's just. I love stories like this because, you know, you have this device or you have a company where, you know, maybe they know that they have to offer accessibility or do something different. But like you said, maybe they just don't have the right person or they just don't know how to do it themselves. Then, you know, that connection happens and then it changes, you know, the entire future of what they offer and what they do. It's just really amazing to see that happen. Yeah, and you you mentioned a, a good point that I think a lot of people gloss over is the business case. Mm-hmm. Our accessibility, I am absolutely confident, sometimes that was the differentiator between us getting a contract and someone else getting it. Mm-hmm. Because we had that, we could speak to it, we could demonstrate it, and maybe somebody else could not. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, especially in education, you, you need to be accessible, period. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's the law. But aside from that, I mean, students need to be devoting what time they have to learning, mm-hmm. not coming up with workarounds because you designed mm-hmm. something poorly. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. That's beautifully said, because why should we spend all that time creating the workaround um, when we should just be able to get the devices? Um because it just, it, it detracts from the experience of learning. And like you said, when it comes to what we're 
trying to offer kids, everyone should be on the same leveled field as everybody else and should have what it takes to get them there if they, if they need it. And definitely I a hundred percent wish I would have had uh, Desmus when I was in school because, you know, the, the worse my vision got, the, the more and more hard it was to use that calculator, the, the screen, especially when it comes to the graphing calculator, it became near impossible for me to use by the time I got into college. So, I mean, there was no way I could do it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. And the those calculators, if I remember right, were not backlit either. No, they weren't. <laughs> so that that makes it even harder. Yeah, yeah. You're just you're staring at the screen, and you and you're really having to strain your eyes or like, like turn it and trying to like get it into the light so that you can see it better. And it's just like, this is miserable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, it's it's great that you have such an amazing you know device and you know it, it it really is something that i think in terms of accessibility maybe a lot of people don't take the time to think about because uh, i think you know again we we focus a lot on the large text the the computer screen readers and uh, magnifiers but you know then there's sometimes we don't really think about every little thing that might you know need its place to have an accessibility option or you know just be able to be used by someone that might need some more help. And I think calculators are more often than not left out of that conversation in terms of, well, what do we do if we have a blind math major? They're going to be able to use this calculator. And, you know, when I was going through school, I never got asked by my um, student disability resources, do you need a, a handle accessible calculator? Do you think you're going to need that in math? Because if they would have said that, I would have said, hundred percent give me that accessible calculator <laughs> yeah well it, it, i mean at least these days such a thing exists mm -hmm. um it didn't when i was yeah growing up one thing i i would like to kind of point out you, you know you, you mentioned devices mm -hmm. um i do want listeners just to be be clear desmos is software so we don't have mm -hmm. any actual hardware mm -hmm. but we run on pretty much any modern device so mm -hmm. if you've got a computer if you have a laptop, if you have an iPhone, an Android phone, a Chromebook, we'll work on all of those devices. Mm. But what, uh, actually one of my favorite things, this is actually something that we managed to do pretty early on uh, after I joined, was we partnered up with um, other organizations, uh, specifically uh, Humanware and Hims, And so our graphing technology is in their note-taking devices. Mm. So if you go, if you have a Braille note touch, and you go into key math and you make a graph, that's Desmos. Mm -hmm. If you go into the uh, same math application, I forget the name of it, uh, on the uh, Hims Polaris, that's us. Um, so people might even be using Desmos without realizing it. And the fact that we can just, <laughs> oh, and also the uh, uh, the Mac Connect, the, the Prodigy uh, magnifiers from Humanware as well. Ah, uh, nice. Um, so the fact that our technology is so adaptable to mm -hmm. the, the device that you're using, mm -hmm. I think is a huge advantage and that people have recognized that and allow us to be embedded in these products. I mean, it, it mm -hmm. pushes everybody forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I apologize. I do simplify sometimes when it comes to technology because I'm so used to, you know, I, my, my, my father's in, in, in IT. So I, you know, it's just, it's so easy to just be like, well, you know, if it's, 
and it can be put into a device you know what i mean i oversimplify it that time at times <laughs> i know well and I, I i mentioned that because you know sometimes people will come and ask you know mm. hey why isn't there hardware right right yeah. and and this is pretty much why mm -hmm. um being software allows us to focus on making your existing devices mm -hmm. usable yeah yeah it's you know a lot of times it's easier um to if the technology is already in place where you can just you know kind of just plug it in and then have it running on all these devices that are adaptable to the technology yeah and you know one other point i think we've also glossed over maybe it was sort of assumed but mm -hmm. we we don't charge for mm -hmm. for this stuff so you, anybody can go to desmos.com calculator and mm -hmm. use an accessible graphing calculator for free that's that's amazing because you know <laughs> You, you you take a look at those T83s. Those things ain't cheap, <laughs> especially They're back not. in and the day. <laughs> yeah, well, and especially the uh, the accessible ones. I mean, you're a dedicated calculator device that's you know whose internal technology is probably 20 years out of date. Mm -hmm. You know, you're spending multiple hundreds of dollars on. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just I don't know. That that feels unethical to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's always kind of like the double-edged sword when it comes to accessibility. Um, the devices are great sometimes they're not affordable, um, which again, it's it's a business and that has to do with the business model and everything, you know, I, I don't know enough to speak to it, but you know, it's, it's great when you can have something that can just be, you know, hey, just use it. <laughs> it's there for you to use and you can use it whenever you want and wherever you want. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's really core to our mission. Mm -hmm. um, is breaking down as many barriers as we can, whether they mm -hmm. be uh, conceptual, whether mm -hmm. they be access, or mm -hmm. whether they be economic. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't want people to have have to fight to get access to math technology mm -hmm. if if they want it. Yeah, because school is already expensive enough. <laughs> exactly, especially nowadays. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, um, how long have you been with Desmus now? Uh, I've been with Desmos since, uh, let's see, it'll be, actually, yeah, it was, uh, about uh, six years, uh, a couple months ago. Awesome. That's great. Um, and how have you seen the company grown since you've been there and, you know, began in your role? Because, of course, as you, of course, mentioned when you started, um, you know, Desmos wasn't even ready to implement this type of software. So um, definitely, if you could speak to what you've seen in terms of growth, I'd appreciate that. Sure. So I, I wouldn't say they weren't ready. They just mm -hmm. didn't know how to start. Right, they right, were right. definitely ready. Man, when we started going there. Yeah, the right guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 moved, we moved pretty quick. Yeah. But yeah, uh, as far as growth, uh, yeah, the company has grown a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, when I joined, I want to say there were 15, 16 people their total, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of your, your average, uh, startup size, mm -hmm. uh, for something out of the, uh, the Bay area. Um, and at the time we had pretty much one product and mm -hmm. that was the, the graphing calculator that, that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, since then we are, we've expanded a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, we now have, I think around 65 employees, um, around the, around the world. Wow. Really. Um, we have, uh, of course, the, the graphing calculator. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a scientific calculator, a full oh, function cool. calculator, a matrix calculator, 
um, a, a geometry tool. Nice. Uh, the geometry tool is not as accessible uh, for obvious reasons, but that's something that we're still looking to mm. um, <laughs> to improve. Um, did I say the matrix calculator? Yes, you did. I did. Okay. Um, so all of those are accessible. Mm. And we also have been, uh, over the last few years, we've developed an entire uh, lesson platform where teachers can create online uh, lessons oh, uh, using, that's using cool. various components, um, whether it's, you know, text for a slide, a mm -hmm. uh, thing, you know, a set of tools to, you know, organized information around like uh, mm -hmm. you know, a group of cards or reordering lists or, you know, the calculator itself. Mm -hmm. And all of these tools have been designed with accessibility in mind. That's awesome. And, you know, we're developing a curriculum as well. Right now we're kind of going through uh, grades uh, six through 12. Mm -hmm. And those lessons, you know, we've, we've got the tools to make lessons really, really usable and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, dare I say enjoyable um, <laughs> with the screen reader. Uh -huh. And, you know, again, that's something that really differentiates us uh, from, from other mm -hmm. uh, competing products. They don't yeah. have that accessibility. We do. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we've uh, we've grown a lot, and yeah. uh, the the demand is just going up, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool that you've been able to not only implement the software, but then of course um, combine it with the you know how to and the lesson plans because that's that's great, and it also ties into just introducing um, diversity and inclusion further into the schools because I think it's very important that that type of knowledge set in to kids when they are still within their primary schooling. Uh, so not only it helps people learn better attitudes and behaviors, but of course, it, again, it makes school for those that need it that way. It's more enjoyable and it becomes fun. That's what we're hoping for. Mm -hmm. um, and so far people really seem to like what we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> we can just keep doing it more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, <clears throat> I don't know if you can answer this because, of course, I, I understand there's a lot of stuff that is privatized, um, you know, just especially when it comes to technology and the, the development. Um, how would you say the software has changed from when you first started? Because you mentioned how when you first learned of Desmos, you, you looked at it and it, you're like, OK, I can't use this at all what changed so much to the point now where you're like, this is accessible for me? Oh yeah, I can, I can certainly speak to that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, man, when, when I say it wasn't usable, I mean, it pretty much was, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I mm -hmm. might've given it a two. Okay. Um, and that would have been a generous two. So again, and a lot of this is, custom work because you know math software if you're if you're writing an equation you want it to look like you know typeset math mm -hmm. that you you know, may see in a, a textbook mm -hmm. so we're talking even just basic parts of the system like the equation editor mm -hmm. was not accessible with the screen reader uh, right because of, because of the way it worked so that was actually my first project gotcha was get this equation editor to talk um and it it, it took some work um, mm -hmm. there's always you know, room, room to improve it, but it does talk now. Um, and, and, and pretty well. Yeah. 
so that was the first thing the um the next um in in some ways this was the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. and in some cases not so easy but just adding markup to the mm-hmm. elements that that were being drawn onto the screen so that mm-hmm. a screen reader would know this is a button it is pressed mm-hmm. or it is not pressed putting it in the tab order so you can find it or adding keyboard shortcuts to do mm-hmm. things like go to the expression list mm-hmm. add add a note add a table turn our well i, I, I say turn our audio tracing uh feature on and off that was the next thing we did was uh making it possible to turn a graph into sound yeah um so you know it's not something that just one day it's not usable the next day it's perfect Mm -hmm. Um, for one nothing is ever perfect but (laughs) but it's it's iterative Mm -hmm. and yeah so over time we've just made those those changes and as we've brought on new people, kind of standardize mm-hmm. how we develop um, different features. I mean, accessibility checks are now part of our workflow. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of what we do before we release a new feature, or um, you know, in, anything significant to either mm-hmm. the the calculators or our um, classroom lesson platform. At least one person, oftentimes it's me, will look through the code, make sure that it works, mm-hmm. and. You know, and the, the the great thing, this is something I don't see too often, but there are people on this team that are actually really committed to learning. This isn't just a, all right, we're going to slap a few divs on this thing, add a quick <laughs> handler and call uh-huh. it good. They actually want to know how to do things right. And a lot mm-hmm. of times now when I see something, it's almost right. Mm-hmm. So there's sometimes not much I have to do to improve it. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a lot to do, but that's not happening as much. And right. It, it's great because the the more people that write accessibly from the start, mm-hmm. the quicker things get out the door <laughs> and, you know, the faster we can move on to, you know, doing other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing when you can start to just have the, the team unanimously just, you know, be on the same page, you know, that's, that's great because it saves you time. <laughs> it does. I won't, I won't lie. I really like that part of it. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, it's did, did you you didn't go to school for edu- um, to be in the education industry, did you at all? No, no. Nope. Yeah. So it, it's kind of an interesting transition to make, but it's definitely like you mentioned, I think earlier, um, it's been very worthwhile to get into because of the change that you've been instrumental in helping bring about. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to say this is all me because it's not. Of course, yeah. I no, mean, there's an entire team. Yeah, there, there is. And these are some of the best people I've ever worked with, mm-hmm. um, across the company period. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had some experience, obviously, uh, you know, with what we discussed mm-hmm. no, <laughs> about yeah. my, my not so great experiences in education, but mm-hmm. also with, uh, you know, um, my mom, like I said, uh, was a math teacher for, mm-hmm. you know, a long time. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, always kind of been exposed to education in, in some form usually from the, the teaching side of it. And, and that's been helpful. Uh, right. It's been helpful perspective, but yeah, a lot of, I, I don't know how many people actually go into school and come out always doing what they <laughs> thought they were going to be doing. Um, working at a, an AT company like mm-hmm. GW micro was certainly uh, a, a real, real highlight mm-hmm. for me. Um, and something that I kind of thought, Hey, I would love to 
be able to do all this full time and have someone pay me. And you know, eventually they did. So that was that was a dream come mm-hmm. true right there. Um, I never thought in in a million years I'd be working for education technology, um, doing math. But this has been, I, I think, in many ways, much more rewarding. Uh, mm. Reaching so many students, um, who you know they can just pick up our tools and use them, mm-hmm. which is just awesome. Yeah, it has to be so just self rewarding for someone who themselves experienced the struggles of not having the accessibility they needed. Well, of course, you know, you, you were able to create, you know, coding and stuff so that you can make your calculator do things. But then of course you had people telling you, well, you can't use this where it matters the most. So I can only, you know, understand, you know, imagine how it's been so worthwhile to see, you take those experiences and then make sure that no one else has to go through that again going forward if they are going to use Desmos. It has. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was I was fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I had advocates. I had, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had the ability and the technology, you know, as rudimentary as it was. Right. I had something. A lot of students probably wouldn't have been able to do that in, yeah. anything significant about that yeah. situation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I... I never forget that. And mm-hmm. anytime I see an email come to accessibility at desmos.com, mm-hmm. plug, you can reach us there. <laughs> um, you know, I take every message we get very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, if that means I have to take an hour coming up with a response to answer somebody's question or tell mm-hmm. them, all right, you want to use your, your focus 40 display with your iPhone mm-hmm. with, with Desmos in braille mode. Here's mm-hmm. how you do it. You know, I, it, it's, it's worth saving the student and the teacher that time yeah. um, so they can just get on with doing whatever it is they need to do. Yeah. Cause you know, the reality is, is that you can be helping people not start to hate school or f- believe that there's just not the right tools for them. And, you know, maybe you can save people, not just, and of course must not just talk about those that need it because of, you know, disability, but just kids in general, maybe, this could be the tool that keeps them loving school and then save them from potentially maybe dropping out because they just don't feel like there's anything there to keep them having success in their education. Yeah. What I am very happy to see is it looks like their students, they're doing better than I did back in high school. I mean, the, yeah. the, the one that I was talking about earlier that was mm-hmm. taking the AP calculus exam. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do AP calculus in high school, Yeah, but there's someone who can, yeah. and that's great. Yeah. It's all just about giving those tools to the, the, the future generation so that they can continue to have better than what we had and not have to ever experience the negatives of not having it. Definitely. Well, hey, thank you so, so much for sitting down with me. It, it's been a true honor to talk to you, uh, you know, as someone that <laughs> did AP Cat, uh, not AP Catcus, because if I did that, I would have failed. <laughs> but AP <laughs> statistics, um, yeah, and went through those struggles and, you know, can understand how that great graphing calculator wasn't always the easiest thing to to use. It's great to know there's companies like Desmos out there that have a software that's uh, making school just a little bit easier and, and maybe even a lot more fun. Because that's really honestly what education should be at the end of the day is uh, easy and fun. And that's exactly what it sounds like Desmos is helping to do. Yeah, well, easy, maybe not. <laughs> Fun, fun and rewarding, absolutely. Yeah, 
It's it's easy if you can make it easy. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we try to remove as, as as many of those barriers as, yeah, as we can. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Hey, before I let you go, do you mind um, sharing the best way for people to follow you guys? I know you guys are on social media, um, so if you don't mind plugging that for my listeners, and uh, if they want to check out the website, that too, that'd be great. Absolutely. So you can reach uh, our main website is www.desmos.com. That's www.desmos.com. From there, you will see links to all of our product offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just need a quick launching point, that's the place to go. Um, we have a dedicated accessibility page. Um, we've actually got a couple of them. The big one that de- uh, details how to set up your screen reader and uh, provides hotkeys and all that good stuff mm-hmm. is at desmos.com accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's just at desmos. And I believe we are on Facebook as well. I am not on Facebook anymore, so <laughs> I forget exactly what that is. But that's all on our uh, social media mm-hmm. links on on the main website. If you want to get a hold of our accessibility team, uh, you can just send an email to accessibility at desmos.com. And mm-hmm. that will reach me as well as everyone else, uh, you know, who are thinking about accessibility in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, if you have questions about anything, um, you know, feel, feel free. Uh, mm-hmm. We're, we're always happy to chat. If you want to reach me directly, you can uh, send an email to Steve at Desmos.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I joined early enough to where I got a first name at Desmos.com. <laughs> <email address. laughs> uh, and, and for those that are curious in case um, I just didn't catch it when he was saying everything, Desmos is D E S M O S. Just in case those out there are wondering how to get the correct spelling. Um, D-E-S-M-O-S. And again, uh, hit them up at all of their um, social media links, of course, their website and um, emails. Um, they're awesome. They're, they're great at responding and they have more than what we've talked about, that's for sure. And they're uh, probably going to even have more in the near future. But uh, hey, thank you so, so much, Steve. It's been amazing to talk to you. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. And, hey, uh... not a problem. We will catch catch the next episode for sure. All right, awesome. Well, guys, that's going to be it for today's episode. If you have a question that you would like me to pass along to my guests, please remember you can email me at cmbouton. That is C-M-B-O-U-T-O-N, all one word, cmbouton at yahoo.com. Of course, the Twitter page for the podcast is 2200 Hindsight. That's 20200 Hindsight, all one word, 2200 Hindsight. Of course, if you're looking for the podcast and want to listen to it, we are on Anchor, we are on Spotify, and we are on Apple Podcasts. You can find it at hindsight is 20 slash 200. I just thank you guys so, so much. And if you have ever wondered how you can maybe support the podcast, um, there is a subscription that I'm offering for those that want to be dedicated supporters. Go to anchor.fm slash chad slash Bowton, um, that, and then slash subscribe. That'll take you to the subscription. And then, you know, just whatever you guys would like to do, you can do that. This is just my self, my selfish plug, <laughs> but yeah, if you guys ever wanted to know how to support the podcast, please go to the subscription page for the podcast and you uh, get access to some special stuff that I'm working on, like merchandise and all this other type of stuff, you know, special mini series, but, uh, anyways, 
that's all the time we got for the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to my guests, uh, Stephen Clower. And we will see you guys next time for another episode. Until then, please stay safe, be kind, and uh, take care. Bye, guys.